0: Amen, and um, so as we do that and as we gather our our offerings this morning, um, it is a, it's a good reminder that it is a season of giving. You know, I mean, we give to God throughout the year. Uh, we do this every time we gather, but it, the, we all we often call the Christmas season the season of giving. Right? It's about giving uh, back to God. It's about giving to others that are less fortunate. It's about giving of gifts. We do all that uh, as believers, as Christians, we do it recognizing the greatest gift that was ever given to us, and that is the Lord Jesus. And He is the one that brings us hope, and that was our theme last week in our Advent um, message series. And He also brings us peace, and that is our, um, our theme for today, it is peace, peace. And, you know, it's fitting at this time um, that I, I mentioned something that most of you are aware of. But early yesterday morning, we lost a dear sister in the Lord. Uh, Marjorie Kinning went home to be with her Savior. Most of you know that from the emails that we sent out. We thank you all just uh, as a Trinity family, just praying for her and for her family. But um, those of you that, that, uh, that knew her... And there are many of you, I've been hearing great stories, I only got to know her a little bit over three years, but what a blessing she, uh, she was to our church, and I think will continue to be. Would you agree with me? Um, what a great woman of faith, a woman who um, had many physical ailments but had so much love and encouragement to give. She was always a wonderful encouragement to me and I know to, uh, to so many of you. And uh, I never had the privilege of meeting her son, and uh, I understand that um, he was just uh, just the light of her life and the joy, and um, she lost him many years ago, but um, I'd like to think that she was also um, rejoicing that she can be rejoined with him uh, in heaven, and so that's one of the things that we look forward to as believers, that we get to see our loved ones again. Um, And, uh, you know, we mourn for ourselves, and as Christians we recognize that, that we're sad, and that we're upset, and that we mourn the loss of a a dear friend like Marjorie, but um, we also say words like she is in a better place, and um, it is certainly true, isn't it, that she is, uh, as we talk about peace, she had a tremendous peace on this side of heaven even through the storms of her life and physical pain and things that uh, God, for whatever in His sovereign will, allowed her to deal with on a regular basis. But yet through it all, um, she had a tremendous peace. And it was because of that peace that she was able to encourage others and to really instill hope and uh, to bring a joy. And I know that there's a few of you that, that here in our church family that spent a lot of time uh, with Marjorie, especially the last few years, uh, as her health just, you know, uh, got more difficult for her to deal with. And so, um, you know, when we when we lose um, somebody special like that, you know, as part of our church family, it's appropriate, of course, to um, to just remember her and to pray for the family. So would you do that with me now, uh, please, as we just pray for her sister Jill, and we pray for her, and we just pray for us as we mourn through this loss. Father, i um, even as we're about to look at your Word and see what you have to tell us about peace and the wonderful peace that you offer and that your Son brings, we are reminded of a life who, um, which exuded peace and which um, truly exemplified being able to be still and know that you are God. We thank you for Marjorie. We thank you for the many years that uh, she called Trinity her church home and us, her church family. God, may we always remember her and um, just the great woman of uh, strong faith that she was. May we uh, desire every day to emulate that faith and to be more like Marjorie. But God, would you bless her now, bless us as we mourn. Would you um, bless her sister, Jill. Would you um, continue to just um, love and and, uh, comfort her? But Father, we are so grateful so the uh, the idea that we can even celebrate the wonderful life of Marjorie by um, recognizing that she is now with you, the place that she so long desired to be. God, what a peace that gives us, even as we mourn. It gives us such a peace to know that she is no longer in pain, that she is no longer suffering, but she has been given that perfect glorified body, and we say hallelujah to that. We all look forward to that day and look forward to being able to talk and meet with her once again. But until then, Lord, help us to live on this side of heaven with that peace that you offer, that peace that passes all understanding. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. We are going to look at God's word and what he says about peace. It is one of those important words that we highlight during the Advent season, Advent simply means again it means anticipation it means the coming it means uh, anticipating the arrival of something or someone and so as a church we not only anticipate christmas right this is the christmas season but we have a we set aside a special time every year to remember and celebrate the birth of our savior the incarnation Emmanuel, god with us, but don't we also have as our hope the fact that Jesus will return for us? So we not only remember the first Advent, but we joyfully with anticipation look forward to Christ's second advent, when he will return for us his bride, for his church. And you know it also says that we will then reign with him in his kingdom that he is coming to establish here on earth. And our passage talks about that this morning It's just two simple verses from Isaiah chapter 9, and they say simply this. These are perhaps some of the most well-known words in all of Scripture, especially this time of year. But let me read them to you from Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from the time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We've all heard those great verses before, right? We love to read them, especially during this time of year. But it tells us so much about the nature of the Messiah, the one prophesied by Isaiah. He is called many names, but especially of our focus today, he is called the Prince of Peace. And this prophet, this prophet Isaiah, is talking about the coming kingdom. When Jesus actually will return, not even his first coming at Christmas we say, but his return when he sets up his kingdom on earth and for a thousand years will reign. And that government he will wear like a robe upon his shoulders and he will reign with peace. But we as a church... We'll get to reign with Him. And we look forward to that blessed hope. But this is a promise for that future kingdom. But you know what? It is a promise as well for us today. As believers in Him and as followers of Jesus, we can have and receive and enjoy that peace because we have that knowledge, because we have that intimate relationship of that very one, the Prince of Peace. So what kind of words do you think of when I say the word peace? Let's do a little word association. You can just call it out. What's the first thing you think of when I say peace? Jesus, Jesus, thank you. I knew Andrew would say Jesus. That's the perfect answer. And now nobody else can give another answer. Now, what else? Peace, what else comes to mind? Heaven, It doesn't have to be the the church answer. What else comes to mind? How about this? Peace. No? Some of you, I know some of you were around in the 60s. I know it. What else? Peace what? Harmony. Calm. How about if I said peace and? Peace and love. Thank you. Peace and joy. Thank you. That's what I thought. That's what I first thought of. You know, I mean, as parents, how often have you said I wish I could just get some peace and quiet. They seem to go together, don't they? Right. Or how about even this? Just like, can I just get a moment's peace? Right. Any other words? Is there any? What else? Rest. Peace and rest. I like that. Piece of cake. Good. Do you know, I I was thinking like, should I do this or not? And I said, you know... I think everybody will give some good, solid answers, but I figured there would be one person that would say something like maybe piece of cake. So thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. AJ, right on the ball. So yeah, so peace, P-E-A-C-E, peace, and a lot of things come to mind. And again, the first things that really I was thinking of is this idea of peace and quiet. What comes along with peace? What do we even mean when we think of or we say Peace. Is it simply just the absence of war? Is it just like peace or war? Is it the absence of conflict? That's part of it, but it goes so much deeper. And there's so much more when we talk about peace, especially the peace that Christ offers. And you're going to see, I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures today. They'll be up on the screen, but and I'll give you the references. You can jot them down. But there's really two aspects of peace that I want to look at today and the first one really uh, comes from this this passage about Jesus the Messiah the promised and uh, you know the promised Messiah going to be the prince of peace among other things a wonderful counselor he'll be everlasting but he will bring peace so at his first advent Jesus did bring peace he brought a peace that he offered to the world first and foremost and that peace in the form of salvation. Or I think of the word reconciliation. So that's kind of our underlying theme today. And this idea of peace is that peace really is all about reconciliation. There's, there's many aspects of peace we could look at. But I, th- I think of this idea of being reconciled. You know what that means? It means like two opposing parties, two opposing things, two opposing uh, thoughts, two ap- people that are opposed to one another. Coming together, being reconciled it 's about two two opposite things being joined together as one, and in Christ that 's what we have between us and God, we are reconciled to him. Jesus came to reconcile the world, but he did that because he is the prince of peace uh, ephesians two fourteen to fifteen says this. For He Himself is our peace. How about that? Not only does He bring peace, He is peace. Not only does God uh, bring love, but He is love. See, it's His very nature. God's very nature. He Himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Do you see the idea of reconciliation? By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. See, so first and foremost, what Jesus does is he brings peace between us in God. But this passage is also, it's referring to that, that we are now reconciled to our maker because sin has separated us from him. But in Jesus, we have peace with God now, But also, Paul is talking about the church. Do you remember we went through Ephesians a long time ago, but one of the things that Paul even called a mystery, the church being a mystery, was this, was that both Jew and Gentile could be brought together and now be called one body, the body of Christ, the church. See, if you remember, too, like to us, it might not sound like a big deal, but especially back then, Neither the Jews nor the Gentiles, the non-Jews, could ever imagine that they would be joined together under one name, under one banner, with a common love and a common cause. You remember, as you read through the letters of Paul, how much he talks about unity, how much he desired for unity in the church. He said, for as often as, as much as you can, be at peace with one another. He didn't want there to be warring factions or division within the church the church because he said look now the two have become one just like in marriage the two have become one but now jew and gentile in the church are together something that was never even heard of or thought was even possible but it says jesus does that who made us both he's talking about jew and gentile has made us both one and he broke down in him in his flesh that dividing wall of hostility But what happens is Jesus broke down the dividing wall of hostility between us and God. See, we don't even think about it this way, but do you know that Scripture says that we, before becoming Christians, before the cross, before believing in Him for salvation, that we were considered enemies of God. We don't like to think of that, but we were enemies of God, but now what are we? We're friends of God. Sons and daughters. Children of the living God. How much different can you get? We were at once opposed, but now we are with Him. We are in Christ. See the big difference? But that's because the Prince of Peace came. And He brought peace to end the conflict, the tension, the strife between us and God that sin back in the Garden of Eden created. And remember, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Reconciler was promised way back there in the beginning of Genesis. And Isaiah prophesied about it and said, This one will come, he will be a child born, a child born but a son given. How about that? For unto us a child is born, for to us a son is given. So the baby is born, but God is the one who gives him. He is the one who is to bring peace, to reconcile a weary world to him so the weary world could rejoice. But think about this, a little bit later in Isaiah chapter 11, we see another beautiful picture of this idea of the peace, the Prince of Peace, bringing reconciliation. This time, it's between um, opposing, uh, opposing forces in the natural world being brought together. Isaiah 11, 6-9 says this, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. I think we're getting the picture, right? And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's peace like a river. It's those waters. It's just covering and washing over all of that. It is the blood of Christ that washes over and covers over and cleanses the sins of the world so that we can be reconciled to God, but only through the Prince of Peace. It is two opposing forces like the wolf and the lamb, like the shepherd, like the leopard and the young goat. It's amazing. It gives us that great picture. These two opposites that are forever at war with one another will be reconciled because of the Prince of Peace that is what we learn. You know, we talk about learning and growing and serving here at Trinity. We learn that truth and we are to stand on that truth because that is a picture of our spiritual condition before Christ. We are enemies of God. And we are opposed to all things that are holy and spiritual and all things that are righteous according to the righteous God because we are a part of this world. We are slaves to sin, but now through Christ, we have been set free to be slaves to Christ. Isn't that amazing? See? We were once enemies. We are now friends of God, children of the Almighty. Romans 5, 1-2 says this, therefore, again, just hitting home, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope for the glory of God. All the words are right there, right? We have peace with Him. We have faith in Him. We rejoice in hope for the glory. It all comes from the Prince of Peace. We have been reconciled. So now in Christ, we are free to be slaves to Him. We are now still in this world. Yes, I don't think uh, we need reminding of that. We are in this world, but not joined to it. We are separated from the world. We are to be in the world, not of it, when at one point before Christ we were of this world. Now we know the truth. We no longer need to believe the lie. We are set free by that truth, and the truth will set us free. Jesus is the truth, the way, the life, and He is... Now the one who has justified us, set us right. Our position before him is now justified because his righteousness is placed on us. All that happens at that moment of salvation. We are now in the process of being sanctified through the leading of the Holy Spirit within us as we obey him and follow him. We are being sanctified in Christ, which means being set apart from the world, know that sanctification, being set apart to be holy, being set apart from this world. We still live in this world. We still live in broken jars of clay. But yet, in our spirit, we have been reconciled to God. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Right, it says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. I mean, we still look the same, don't we? We still kind of have some of those still those sinful thoughts and. We get angry and you know we get sad and we give in to anxiety. We do all those things, but yet our spirit that connects us with God has been made new. So when God sees us, he sees the blood of Christ because God is spirit. We are spirit, see? But what happens then is that every day of our life, we are to discipline ourselves with peace. We don't often think about peace as a discipline, but it is because... It is offered to us, but we are to reach out and accept it and employ it and apply it in our lives. Recognizing that Jesus brought that, one day we look forward to that kingdom where he will reign with peace in that robe of righteousness and that government will be on his shoulders. But until that day, we have access to that peace. It said, what we read in Romans, that we have obtained that. It says in Colossians 1, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See how all these verses are working together. So that is really about what we learn from the scriptures about peace. That is our eternal reconciliation to God, our Creator, through the blood of Christ. But you know what? It's been saying. We can enjoy that peace in a temporal way now here. Not just eternal, but here and now, this side of heaven. And that is how we then grow. We learn about that truth, but how do we grow in that truth about peace? Well, we are to live it out. See, our soul, our mind needs to be brought into submission daily, surrendered every day to that spirit that has been renewed, regenerated. For what separated us from God has been made new, our spirit, see? So our flesh is to be submitted to that spirit by obedience every day, by following his word, reading his word, trusting in his promises every day. Um, Many of you have read uh, Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God. Maybe it's one of those things that you heard a lot in Sunday school. And you see all those pictures of the Roman soldier with the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, all that. He's got the sword, right? But I think one of the the pieces of the armor that gets neglected a lot is what goes on the feet. Remember that? You know what it's called in Ephesians 6? We won't turn to it, but what is it that we are supposed to put on as we go into spiritual warfare as Christians, recognizing we have an enemy, there's something that's supposed to go on our feet. It's called the gospel of peace. Now think about it. It's interesting, right? What does it matter, kind of what's on our feet? Well, what it was really referring to was kind of like cleats. That the soldiers would wear footwear that would help them be stable and strong and have a sure footing and a solid and sure foundation. And we are told by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 that the footwear is to be the gospel of peace. So we are to stand in peace. So it's almost like this picture. If I could stand, I would show you. But the idea is we are standing firm. We are standing tall. We have the, the shield, the breastplate. We have the helmet. We have the sword. We have all of that. But what is keeping us calm under pressure? As the enemy approaches, we have the gospel of peace around our feet. It keeps us sure. You know what? That gives us the picture of a calm during the storm. That's really the picture that the Scriptures give us of peace. You remember the story with the, the, uh, the um, disciples, the apostles on the boat, and there's a great storm and Jesus is there. Remember what Jesus is doing during the midst of the storm? He's sleeping. Just picture that, that there's a storm, there was a tempest blowing, the waves are crashing over, all the disciples are fearful for their lives, and Jesus is asleep. That is a beautiful picture of what peace is supposed to be. It is a calm. It is a stillness. It is a confidence in God during the times of the storms of life. Now, we all know what those look like. And for us, maybe maybe some of us, we're right in the midst of a storm of life. They come and go. Storms come in and they wreak havoc and they blow away. And then we kind of try to pick up the pieces Maybe it's a job that's lost, maybe it's a loved one that's sick or dying, maybe it's a dysfunctional or broken relationship, and maybe it's um, not having enough to, to pay the bills, whatever that looks like. God says through all of that, through the Prince of Peace, you can have peace. It's that picture of Jesus asleep on the boat, not See, that doesn't give us a picture that he is oblivious to what's going on. It's not even for us to deny the storm that's going on around us or to ignore it, but to recognize it, but say, but I have the shield of faith and I have the gospel of peace. See, so the gospel does those two things, is that it reconciles us to God because the gospel tells us the good news about Jesus bringing salvation through his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. But we also know that we have the benefits of the gospel here and now, don't we? I mean, we often just think of the gospel as yes, we have eternal life in God, which of course we do. But the benefits and the beauty of the gospel is for us here and now. It's that gospel of peace that we can recognize to keep our feet firm and secure during the times of the storms of life. See, when we give into the fear and the worry and the anxiety which we all do. We are then not tapping into that supernatural peace that God's offer that God offers us. What we often do, we settle for that natural peace that the world can offer. And you know what sometimes it looks like medicine and, and that can be good and necessary. Sometimes it looks like counseling. That can be good and necessary. But don't we often, and we all know what it looks like for us individually, but don't we often, and we don't want to just talk about the world out there because we're in here trying to be honest with each other too, right? Don't we often turn to other things to find peace, right? Whether it's alcohol or drugs, whether it's eating, it could be food, it could be watching TV like excessively wasting your time, whatever it is, right? We know what that is. But we can often look for peace in places that it might offer it to us. It might feel good. It might kind of give us a respite from and a relief from those feelings of despair and anxiety and frustration and tension and anger. But whatever the world can offer in the form of peace is fleeting and shallow. Because it does not come from the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Why would we ever settle for the imitation when we have the real thing, right? So we never want to settle for that natural peace that the world can offer, but tap into that supernatural peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says these beautiful words for his followers. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do you see that? It's his peace. He's the prince of it. (laughs) He's the prince of peace and he is giving it To us, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. He's saying it's a very different kind of peace. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Do you remember when Jesus enters into Jerusalem? He's approaching and riding on the donkey. We celebrate and remember it uh, on um, Easter, right? And then Palm Sunday before that. And we remember that Jesus approaching Jerusalem for the final time. Finally, letting everyone acknowledge that He is that King, the Savior that has come. But He stops and He's on the donkey and He looks at Jerusalem and He weeps. You know why He's weeping? Because He knew that there was a peace that He offered them that they did not accept. There was a peace that He was coming to bring. And He knew what would happen even just 70 years later with the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. He knew They could have had peace. But what was on their doorstep, on the horizon, for His people that He loved so much, was war and conflict and upheaval. The opposite of what He came to bring. Jesus looks at us and He sees us with our worries. And He sees us with our fears. He does not want us to linger and to wallow in those. He says, I'm the Prince of Peace and I've come to bring you that peace. And it's not the kind of peace the world can give, children. He says... It's a peace that only I can give to you. Then finally, yes, we we learn the truth about being reconciled to God. We grow in the way that we employ and put into practice that peace every day. How we surrender the flesh to the Spirit that has been made new as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But how do we then take that peace to a world that is weary and broken? We serve. We serve one another. What's the best way that we can serve this world, church? Is by bringing the gospel of peace. By bringing them the good news of Jesus Christ, the one who reconciles and redeems. And so that is what is called the ministry of reconciliation. That's what Scripture calls it. We have now been called to a ministry of reconciliation. Which means we are then to be people of peace. To represent the peace of Christ to the world around us that is always filled with tension and is at war. There's always division and animosity and strife and we see it all around. Do you ever get tired of reading the news? And you turn on your phone, you go to your news app, right? You go to your favorite news app and you scroll and maybe you get two or three stories in and you say, I can't even read anymore. We are called to the ministry now of reconciliation. Why? Because we know the peace. And we know the peacemaker. And we are called now to simply introduce the world to the Prince of Peace. We tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are to bring a world full of hatred to the God who is love. To show a world full of pain the God who is full of compassion. And we are to offer a world which is always at war the Prince of Peace. One way that we can share that peace that we know is to tell our faith story. I've shared many times different bits and pieces of uh, my story and how I came to know the Lord and what happened to me about uh, 18, 19 years ago now. And uh, it was 1999 that I began to suffer from depression and anxiety, which then led to panic attacks. And this was uh, caused by so many different things, but um, there were things I didn't even recognize that were of bringing me to this point. And uh, it got worse and worse before it got any better. It got to the point where nobody, not even my beautiful wife, knew what to do or how to console me or help me. Um, and it was just a matter of recognizing that something was going on much deeper that only God could take care of. And so I needed to call out and reach out to that very Prince of Peace, because I got to the point in my anxiety and my panic um, uh, disorder that I couldn't even get out of bed for days on end, wound up leaving my job, and um, got to the point where I didn't even believe that I could make it out of the door of my house to the car. Because I had lost confidence in everything, even my own breath, and it sounds so weird, but we know how strong our minds are, right? But I believe, and again, at the time I didn't know it, But I believe that God was breaking me down like a jar of clay that he wanted to use. But see, he needed to then rebuild me up into the one that he wanted to see, that that I would then rely upon him and not myself. So it's a whole big story, but I share it now because of this. Because there was two passages of Scripture that God in his compassion and his mercy brought to mind. And these were two passages of Scripture that I would recite over and over to try to get some rest for my soul and to get some physical sleep. And day after day, week after week, literally month after month, I would recite these verses at night before I would try to get to sleep because it's the only thing that would bring peace to my weary mind. And the first one was Isaiah 41.10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just laying there, picturing myself in the right hand of God, that gave me a peace. He wouldn't let me fall, would he? I felt like I was falling. You know what that feeling is like. But then it was the other one that I want to share with you now. I'll put it up on the screen. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Right? You knew I was going to get there. I had to. This version says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then here's the promise. Here's the promise. If you do that, he says, he, says, don't just, he doesn't just say, stop worrying. People like think that you can just turn a switch on and off, right? It's not like that. He says, come before God. Yes, you're going to worry and be anxious. He says, you don't need to. Here's what you do. Pray. Thank God. Let them know. That's the supplication. Let them know what you need. But be thankful through it all. It's been said you can't be thankful and anxious at the same time. But he says, here's then the promise if you do that. The peace of God. What kind of peace is it? That surpasses all understanding. And what will it do? It'll guard your heart. and It'll guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Because we are now in Christ. We are no longer enemies of God. We are in Christ We are in Christ, don't we want to be in Christ? And he says, that's the promise. If you're thankful and you bring your prayers before God, if you let God know what's on your heart and what's bothering your mind and making you so weary from the battle and the struggle, bring it before God. And here's the promise of what God will do He will wash over you with a peace, not as the world gives. Not a natural peace, but a supernatural peace that passes all understanding. What will that peace do as it washes over you? It will guard your heart from following false idols, from believing the lies of the enemy. But also guard your mind so that you don't think things that you're not supposed to think So again, you don't believe things that maybe people are telling you that aren't true. So you're not believing the lies of the enemy so that you then once again have a peace of mind. But that's what I needed. When when God brought me that verse, I was so thankful I'd repeat it over and over again. And what would I say? I would say, God, I need your peace. Please guard my mind. Please guard my mind. Please guard my mind. Because I didn't know where my mind was going. I didn't even know what was happening. So yes, it got properly diagnosed and with medicine, with Christian counseling, with continuing to dig into the Word. I'm here today. It's still a struggle, but it's one that I have to continue to give back to God. We need to do that every day and give back to Him and recognize I have the Prince of Peace who loves me and calls me His own. And He is the one that can give me that peace that is supernatural, that passes all understanding. See, what we do, churches? we often we settle for the natural, what the world has to offer, when we have a Prince of Peace who can give us a supernatural blessing of peace that will surpass all of our ability to understand it. You know, that passage in Philippians 4 goes on, in, in verses 11 to 13, it says this, For I have learned, this is again Paul continuing that same thought, He's saying why he can have peace even in prison. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Are you able to do that? I know how to be brought low. He certainly was. And I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God strengthens us with His peace. We are to allow it to be our shoes made for battle, our footwear, so we can stand firm with everything else, all the rest of the armor of God. We can stand firm, secure, and confident because we have peace in the midst of the battle. Finally, I ask you this, is your soul in tune with your spirit? With the Holy Spirit? who reveals the truth to us. Are you enjoying the peace that God has for you? If you're here this morning and you're seeking after that Prince of Peace because you don't yet know Him or have believed in Him, the offer is real. It's a real peace for here and now and a reconciliation for eternity with your Creator. But it's only offered through that Prince of Peace. John fourteen twenty seven again, we read it before, peace I leave with you, not as the world. Do you know that when he, when Jesus says that, he's on the way to the cross? That's when Jesus says it. He's on the way to the cross and Jesus says, I have the peace that you need. It's not temporary or fleeting. It's not from the outside. It is a peace that will transform you from the inside out. In 1873 there was a hymn writer who wrote one of our most famous hymns. It's called It Is Well. His name is Horatio Spafford. He wrote it in 1873, some amazing words, and we're going to sing it together as a church in a moment. Let me tell you a little bit of the story about Horatio Spafford. In 1871, his son died at the age of two. In that same year, the great Chicago fire, which many of us have heard about from history, It devastated him financially because he had a lot of investments in real estate that were destroyed during that great fire. A couple years later in 1873, there was an economic depression in the country. It hit him even further. So that same year of 1873, he planned to travel to Europe for some business and to get away. He planned to travel with his wife and his four young daughters. But at the last minute, Horatio had a business issue he needed to take care of regarding some of the property that was destroyed in that great fire. And so he decided at the very last minute not to get on the boat, and he sent his family ahead of him, his wife and his four young daughters. And so their boat along the way in the Atlantic, it collided with another ship, and it began to sink. In the end, all four of his young daughters drowned, but his wife survived. She then wired a cable back to her husband with these famous two words, simply said, Saved Alone. So of course, in great and utter despair, Horatio booked a passage on the next boat that he could to travel to Europe to be with his wife who was recovering in the hospital so they could mourn the loss of their four beautiful daughters. It was on that boat ride, while he was on that ship heading to Europe, as he passed the scene of the wreck that took his four daughters, that he penned the words to this great hymn, It Is Well. He sings, It is well with my soul. Peace like a river as it attends my way. Even as the sorrows billow up like the... He's passing that spot in the middle of the Atlantic where tragedy struck and he lost just about everything. And he thinks to write these words. I mean, this song is the perfect perfect illustration and picture of peace and calm in the midst of a storm. In the midst of great trial and agony and suffering and despair. Did you write words like "It is well with my soul." It's all good with me and God. That whatever He wants for me, He can have. You can take away my family. He's saying, my four precious daughters. But your peace is still like a river that will guide me. So even when the storms hit, no matter what my circumstances, He was saying, "It is well." See, peace comes as a product of our Savior, not our situation. And peace comes from our Savior, not our circumstances. When we learn that and we begin to live that out and we grow in our trust in Him, and we accept that peace, we can then perhaps sing words like this, It is well with my soul, even in the midst of the storms that seem like they are enveloping you and overcoming you. Remember Jesus on the boat. Remember the great words He gives us. It's a peace that the world cannot offer. It's a peace only He can give. Let's sing this song together, church. And when you feel ready, you can stand and sing It Is Well With My Soul.
1: When peace Like a river Attendeth my way The clouds be rolled back as a scroll, and the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend.
0: God, we truly do stand here before You, before Your throne of grace and Your throne of matchless peace. We desire that the words of this song would ring true for us, that no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our situation, that we can say it is well with our soul. May we enjoy the peace that You offer to us here and now. May it create a firm foundation that we be confident in You watching over us during the storms of life. And may we introduce others this Christmas season to the very Prince of Peace. And Father, may we never accept the peace the world offers, but only that peace that surpasses all understanding. Would You guard our hearts, would You guard our minds in peace, Christ Jesus. May we ever be found worshiping Him, praising Him, thanking Him, even during the midst of trial and tribulation. Because through all that, we can say, it is well with my soul. Have mercy on us. Go before us. May we go in peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise
1: God.